0: Hi, John. How are you today?
1: Hi, Elliot. How's it going out there in the warm Midwest?
0: Well, it's a little warmer than it's been, and we're supposed to have some uh, continued warm-up, except for Friday when it's supposed to be in the single digits. But while you're here, you'll just have to uh, run indoors.
1: Yeah. (laughs) One of the things uh, I'm excited about doing when I'm in Milwaukee this week, besides going to market basketball game, we're doing something for the commercial banking program uh, on Monday with local FBI and a former uh, AML Voices uh, participant, Dennis Lormel, to talk about financial crime issues with uh, banking students. So we're excited about doing that. We're doing that on Monday in Milwaukee. So I'm I'm happy to be able to spend some time with the students there and hopefully get some folks thinking about this, what we do as a career path.
0: Yeah, that will be great. Um, I know we've, <clears throat> you and I have both talked with uh, students in that program in the past um, about encouraging them to think about uh, the compliance side of banking and the operation side of banking, in addition to the customer facing. So, um, I'm hoping to uh, be able to slide over and watch you guys chat.
1: That's great. So um, earlier this week, Transparency International released the 2022. Corruption Perception Index. We've talked about that before with these conversations, but also we've had the uh, pleasure of having folks from that world speak in our webinars. And I thought uh, a couple things struck me and I know you have thoughts there as well. People should remember that the way the index is crafted, they look at 13 different data points. They review 180 countries and for 2022, basically, they, there's been no major change. In fact, for the most part, 100, 124 countries have remained stagnant in their corruption protection levels, or how the index measures success, and 25 countries improved, but 31 declined. So I thought that based on all of that, not great news, for all of us that care about dealing with uh, corruption issues that we know are one of our priorities from the U.S. government, but also a global challenge, obviously.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, just again, additional reminder. So the index uh, scores from one to 100, one being a, a very clean country and 100 being a, a, a country that's uh, has a very high corruption uh index
1: well it's actually uh, the reverse <laughs> oh I, you're right i beg yeah. your pardon
0: thank <laughs> you you are correct that was
1: <laughs> otherwise
0: with right the a higher score is good sorry yeah. this is this is not golf this is baseball so uh That's right. a higher score is good and a uh, low score is bad uh the top six countries in the index this year were Denmark, Finland, New Zealand, Norway, Singapore, and Sweden. Um, they, we ended up with six rather than five because there were some tie scores. And the worst scores, uh, the most uh, potentially corrupt areas, Yemen, Venezuela, South Sudan, Syria, and Somalia. Uh, Somalia with a 180 score. Um, so, uh, or the 180th slot and they had a score of 12.
1: Yeah, so don't um, don't be packing your bags for those countries anytime soon. Uh,
0: no, I think that would be, um, it be a good idea not to do that. Two thirds of the countries score below 50 and the average score of all 180 is 43. So, um, uh, I think what you said earlier is, you know, uh, somewhat disturbing that there's been, the vast majority of the countries who are in the index made no forward progress, um, made no progress at all. And um, we had more slippage than growth. Uh, they also looked at this, looking at six regions, uh, Western Europe and the European Union had the highest regional average regional score of 66. And sub-Saharan Africa had the lowest with 32. Um, so again, uh, not, not totally surprising on Western Europe, considering the number of the countries in the top six that are in uh, Western Europe. Um, and the United States had a score. Sorry, I need to change.
1: Uh, 69, 69. So they came Thank in 24th. Yep. Canada was 74, came in 14th. One of the things that uh, I also looked at was a former panelist that we've uh, had the pleasure of uh, talking to, Gary Coleman, was asked about this for an interview with Voice of America. And he made the case that, you know, even though we improved, I think we improved, the U.S. improved two points from last year. He said that um, the U.S based on the sheer size of our economy and our financial secrecy rules, or the lack thereof from his perspective, is, quote, a major facilitator of corruption internationally, unquote. And so Transparency International, has, as they have said, uh, have called out for changes in terms of dealing with shell companies. That's why they supported the Corporate Transparency Act, which, as we both know, is still being uh, implemented. They also were very strong supporters of what was called the Enablers Act, that we also talked about it had the potential of making it through in the last Congress, but did not, was not included in the national defense authorization act. And Gary's comment about that is that lawyers, accountants, money managers, corporate formation agents, those that create trust for wealthy people, they're currently not covered by AML responsibilities and he's not wrong. And he really believes strongly that they need to, uh, Close that gap, and so a bill has been reintroduced. But you know, there's a lot of skepticism that it would make it through this divided, divided Congress. So even though the U.S. has done better, our sheer size gives uh, organizations like Course Parent, um, Transparency International concern that it's we're just so big. And then they also in that same story quote uh, Janet Yellen, who said last year that the U.S., and as you know, she's the Treasury Secretary, was, quote, the best place to hide and launder ill-gotten gains, unquote. And that's because of the shell company issue. While a lot of this is starting to be addressed, I think that's relevant, too, as we try to figure out what all this means in terms of our community's response to due diligence, reporting, detection, training, and all those sorts of things.
0: Yes. So there's a a couple of uh, areas that they uh, that the report uh, focuses on one is uh, the link between corruption and security threats uh, and how uh, having a having a uh, 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 a very corrupt government uh, can really represent security threats both to the uh, people of that country but also to uh, other uh, countries in the region. And the, the other one that I thought was interesting, not surprising, but interesting, was corruption and resilience to organized crime. So that uh, uh, the adverse impact of strong organized crime organizations in a country or in a region, uh, which is often uh, directly related to the level of corruption um, is, is a serious problem that they point, uh, point out. Um, uh, additionally, they do make four recommendations, um, things that they believe will enhance transparency and therefore reduce corruption. One is to reinforce checks and balances and to promote separation of powers. Uh, we see certainly in authoritarian regimes where um a strong and separate judiciary and legislative function uh, are uh, eaten away at, and therefore uh, there's no check and balance on power, which also can directly connect to corruption. They talk about the importance of sharing information and upholding the right to access it. Uh, Again, that's the transparency component. Limit private influence by regulating lobbying and promoting open access to decision making. Again, another element of transparency and another reason that a lot of people uh, are concerned about the level of corruption in the United States, uh, because our lobbying infrastructure has essentially routinized what in some countries would be viewed as corrupt activity, uh, and that is the peddling of influence. And then fourth, uh, uh, to combat uh, transnational forms of corruption, um, they find that foreign bribery, corporate secrecy, and uh, complicit professional enablers are forms of transnational corruption that need to be dealt with. And those specifically align with what you just talked about from uh, both Gary's quotes and those of Secretary Yellen.
1: The 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 index is amazing. They do so much. There's so much detail here. As we mentioned, it goes by region. It goes by different categorizations. It goes, you can go country by country to figure out where there's been gaps, where there's been some improvement. The uh, information, I think, can really help not just those of us that have international and global organizations, but even if you don't, your client base in most cases is going to have global connections so that becomes pretty important so corruption is again it's a priority in the u.s obviously it sort of drives everything as they say it's a fuel for conflict and social unrest it takes needed resources away from people that need those resources and so uh, this is a welcome index in that the information is welcome but it tells us we have a lot a lot more to do so when you get a chance Take a look at uh, not just the overall summary, but some of the detailed parts of the index, and I think you'll find some value there, and definitely a training tool for your internal staff.
0: Agreed. So, John, what uh, what else do you have that you're working on?
1: So, a uh, couple things. Did an interview uh, earlier uh, this week or late last week uh, with Jim Lee, who is the uh, IRS. Uh, chief of the criminal division. And Jim talked about the challenge he had for his staff regarding the value proposition of BSA data. So that'll be posted uh, fairly soon. Also going to interview next week, a former enforcement lawyer from the OCC. And then I interviewed Tom Vartanian, who has just written a book about, uh, issues with the internet. He had written a book uh, two years ago that I interviewed him about, and that was about all the financial crises in the US and what we've learned from them. So I got those couple of things uh, set up and we're, work- we're working to effort uh, several other, hopefully very interesting uh, folks uh, to talk about various things in uh, law enforcement issues, regulatory issues, you name it, and I'll say to the folks listening here. If there's somebody or some issue you want us to cover, send us a note. We'd be happy to do it.
0: Yes, uh, our webinar this month is on the 28th of the month um, at 1 p.m. A live stream, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and 6 p.m. GMT, and it's on um, compliance for mid-sized banks, tips and trends. So uh, we'll have panelists from some. Uh, mid-sized banks and really be able to dig into how they're uh, embracing the challenges uh, related to financial crime compliance in their environments. Uh, and lastly, just want to remind you that if you enjoy our content, there's a lot more of it on our website. And if you have a financial crime compliance challenge that we can be of help with, certainly reach out to us and we'll connect you with the right people in our organization who can help you find effective, and efficient solutions. John, have a good week, travel safely,
1: and I'll see you while you're here. Sounds good, Elliot. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Yep. Bye-bye.